All right, well, we have come to week four in our Seven Deadly Sins series. This is, means that after today, we're over the halfway point. This is the, you know, Wednesday in the week of the Seven Day Sins series. Uh, and in this series, we've been looking at the impulses that keep us from the kind of life that God intends for us. Uh, the impulses that we have to lead, that lead to destruction in our own lives and destruction in the world around us. And we've been asking ourselves, well, how do these impulses entangle us, and how do we find freedom from them? Now, I want to start by reminding us of our theme verse for this whole series, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1. And again, I'm going to ask us to say this all together, so follow my lead. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles. So, so far in this series, we've talked about three kinds of sin that we want to throw off. Right? We talked about envy, wrath, and sloth. And this week, we're talking about the sin that entangles that is probably the least talked about in the church, which is the sin of gluttony, or the impulse to gluttony. Now, what is gluttony? Well, I imagine when I say that word, the first thing that comes into your mind is eating too much, right? And that is a manifestation of gluttony, but it's actually only one possible manifestation of gluttony. You might remember last week when we talked about sloth. I said the first thing you think about when you hear sloth is being lazy, right? And laziness is a manifestation of sloth, but we need to think of sloth more generally as a lack of care about things that matter. And similarly with gluttony, gluttony isn't just eating too much. It is a lack of, uh, a lack of moderation a lack of moderation, especially when it comes to food and drink. That's the way it's most commonly been thought of, as a lack of moderation uh, when it comes to food and drink. So gluttony, gluttony is not having moderation about how much we eat. It's regularly consuming way more than we need to. Uh, but gluttony is also not having moderation about what we eat. Maybe we eat a very normal amount, or maybe we don't even eat very much, but all we eat is you know, sugar or meat. Uh, gluttony can even be the opposite of what we think of when we think of gluttony. Gluttony can be being obsessed with dieting and being obsessed with only eating the healthiest foods or the fanciest foods, because that also is a kind of lack of moderation, right? Gluttony is getting drunk. Uh, gluttony is staying up until 3 a.m., binge-watching a television series on Netflix, even though you know you have work or church to go to the next morning. Uh, gluttony is spending all day on Facebook or Twitter. Gluttony is excess. It's overindulgence. One way of putting it is gluttony is not being able to say no to too much of a good thing. Not being able to say no to too much of a good thing. Now I said this is the sin that 
of the seven, that's probably the least talked about in the church, uh, especially as it relates to food. There's a lot of sermons that are preached on lust and pride and uh, anger, right? And occasionally you'll hear a sermon about envy or sloth or greed, but sermons about gluttony are super, super rare. And I can think of a few reasons why, and some of them are better reasons than other, but others, but I'd like to talk about these reasons why we don't talk about gluttony and then identify why they don't really hold up or why they shouldn't keep us from talking about this. So why don't we talk about gluttony? Well, first reason is it can be an embarrassing topic. It can be a very embarrassing topic. I mean, if we struggle at all with our weight, for example, uh, a sermon on gluttony can feel like a public shaming. Uh, and that's, that's not a good thing. And because that's a real risk with a topic like this, I want to make a, a few points before I go any further. Okay, these are very important to remember. Uh, first, gluttony isn't just about food. I said that already, right? We can be gluttonous about all kinds of things. There's, there's a, a potential for a lack of moderation with just about anything, right? So this isn't just about food. Second, uh, it's possible to be gluttonous with food and not have a weight problem. Uh, I remember in seminary, I knew a guy who was capable of just eating incredible amounts of food. And he told me that in one sitting, he had once eaten 11 lobsters. Now, I don't know who was paying for that, right? But he, he literally ate 11 lobsters, and that was just part of a larger buffet, which he had enjoyed. Uh, but this guy was fit and trim. Like, he didn't look overweight at all. Here's another example. This is the competitive eater, Takiru Kobayashi. And he holds multiple world records for eating competitions, including 110 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I mean, if that's not overindulgence, I don't know what is, right? But look at him, fit and trim, right? And I mean, it's not like he just goes and eats 110 hot dogs out of nowhere. He trains for this sort of thing. <laughs> and then also, there are factors that influence weight besides gluttony. Um, you know, metabolism. Uh, maybe if we've had an injury that keeps us from being able to be physically active, that can lead to weight gain. Uh, thyroid problems, depression, there's lots of other factors uh, that can affect our weight besides gluttony. So all that to say, we should be very careful not to judge from external appearances who has a problem with gluttony and who doesn't. And, you know, even if somebody has a weight issue and it is due to gluttony, that does not give us any license to judge them or to ridicule. You know, just as someone struggle with any of the seven deadly sins should not make them a target of judgment or ridicule. All of us struggle with at least one of the seven deadly sins, probably most of the seven deadly sins. So we should all be humble and non-judgmental here, okay? So uh, that is one reason why we don't talk about gluttony, but we still need to talk about it. Uh, a second reason why we avoid this topic is because we don't want to seem like we're anti-fun. You know, 
Christianity already has a reputation for asking people to turn from their desire when it comes to lust and pride and anger. And so if we start talking about things like food, too, it just can seem like we're not any fun at all, right? Like, can I have this one thing, please? You know, uh, Steve Bell was telling me this week about a, uh, a, a traveling preacher that he knew who was quite large who, who would say, um, the Lord has denied me every pleasure in life, so I eat whatever I want whenever I want. And, you know, some people can feel that way. They feel like, well, I have to turn from my desires in a lot of areas. Uh, so, you know, if I don't want to go to church and hear them telling me that, you know, I, I shouldn't be eating too or, or whatever I should be moderate about. We don't want to seem like we're anti-fun. But here's the thing. This is what's very important to remember. We're not talking about gluttony to ruin our fun, but so our fun doesn't ruin us. I'm declaring that the tweetable line of the morning. So this isn't about being killjoys. God is not anti-fun. God is not anti-pleasure. He designed us to enjoy fun. He designed us to enjoy pleasure. When he tells us to turn from our desires, it's because he's trying to save us. right? It's not to curse us. It's to bless us. And sometimes that does mean turning from our desire in any given moment. And then a third reason that we avoid this topic is because we think our physical health isn't a very spiritual topic. It seems like a topic that might be a little bit beneath the subject of a, a sermon. You know? And besides, nobody wants to go to church to hear about you should eat your vegetables from the pastor. That just doesn't seem like the most worthwhile way of spending a Sunday morning, right? Seems like we've got bigger fish to fry than that. You know, gluttony is the one out of the seven deadly sins that's most related to our physical health. And in church, we can think this, we don't focus on physical health in church, we think about our spiritual health. But what we need to keep in mind is that the physical and the spiritual are very much intertwined. And yes, it is true that the fitness of our hearts, the attitude of our hearts, is so much more important than the fitness of our bodies. You know, Scripture tells us that even though our bodies waste away, which is inevitable, they do eventually waste away, that even though that happens, our spirits can still soar, right? But our attitude towards our bodies is a reflection of the attitude of our spirits, and there's a certain attitude towards our bodies that honors God. And a great uh, passage that, that shows us that is 1 Corinthians 6.19. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19, which says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, I want us to listen very closely to two things that these verses are saying uh, about our bodies. First is, our bodies are temples. Our bodies are temples. Now, it's, it's easy for us to miss the significance of this statement if we're not first century Jews. But if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament, one of the things you know, one of the things that stands out is the significance of the temple. Because the temple was the place that people would travel from near and far to go and worship God. 
And the temple was this marvelous building that was constructed with incredible care and with the, the best artistry and the best craftsmanship. And it was the place where people believed that God dwelt, that God's presence rested in a special way. And people would travel from, from very, very far away so that they could go and worship at the temple and marvel at the temple. And then what this verse is saying is, your body is the temple. Your body is the temple now. I mean, that's just, that would be a mind-blowing statement for a first, a first century Jew. And it should be a mind-blowing statement for us. You know, we should be able to look in the mirror and say, I am a temple. I am a holy place. I am a dwelling place of God. I am made of the finest craftsmanship. And I am a great work of art, right? Because that's what the temple was. And that is what we are. So this is the attitude that we're supposed to have towards our body, that it is this holy dwelling place, this work of great art and craftsmanship. You know, and just as the Jews would have felt horrified if the, the temple courts were filled with garbage, we should feel a similar horror about filling ourselves with garbage. And then the second thing that this verse reminds us of is that God paid a great price for our bodies to be temples. He paid a great price. You know, there's a reason why the dwelling place of God, the temple, switches from being a building to being people like you and me. And the reason is because Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sin by giving his life on the cross. That's why the Holy Spirit can take up residence in us. These temples that we live in are costly, and so we should take care of them. You know, imagine your friend buys you the gift of a car. And imagine that your friend spends their entire life savings on this car for you. It's not just, you know, an old beater. It's a great car. And they empty their IRA account for this. They, they, they give you, they, they spend all the money in their pension plan. And now imagine that shortly after getting this car, you take it to the demolition derby. Uh, that's kind of like what we do. When we fall victim to gluttony, we take the car to the demolition derby. So all that to say, how we treat our physical bodies matters. It has spiritual significance. Uh, because when we take care of our body, we show honor and respect to the one who gave us our body and the one who paid a great price for that body to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. So none of these reasons for avoiding the topic of gluttony really hold up. Okay, we should still talk about gluttony. And I think one of the reasons it's so important to talk about gluttony now is because it is easier to commit the sin of gluttony than any other time in history. Right? Uh, we have abundant, <laughs> abundant food. We have abundant entertainment options. We have abundant internet access. You know, we've got fast food options on every corner. There are restaurants that have options like this. Uh, you know, you used to have to grow your own food, right? Now you can sit in your recliner and you can call somebody to come and bring you food. And it's food that's more, you know, decadent than what people had at any time in history. You know, you used to have to go to a theater or at least a video store to find a movie, but now you can stream just about any movie from the comfort of your own home. And because we have this abundance of, of options, we have to be extra intentional 
about pursuing moderation in our lives. Because if, if we're not, then the path of least resistance is just to eat whatever we want, whenever we want. It's just to watch whatever we want, whenever we want. It's to check social media every time we just feel the slightest desire to check it. And there's real consequences to this kind of gluttony. You know, we can see the consequences of this kind of gluttony. And I don't need to bore us with the details. We all know that gluttony with food leads to all kinds of health problems. Uh, we know that gluttony with entertainment or social media can really harm our productivity. It can even wreak havoc on our attention spans. And if gluttony goes unchecked, then it can just turn into full-blown addiction. Right? And addiction is when you reach the point where your lack of moderation is not something that you have any control over, that you're incapable of, of controlling. And God does not want to, us to be in that position because when we're in that position, we're being mastered by something. We're being controlled by something. And scripture tells us that we really should not be mastered by anything other than God. That's the only master we should have. So, how do we find freedom from gluttony? Well, I want to offer four suggestions. I believe that these are all rooted in Scripture. And, you know, like, like all the seven deadly sins, there's no magic bullet here. Okay, this is, this is not something that can just be instantaneously resolved. But hopefully, uh, these ideas are helpful. So, here's number one. Try fasting. Try fasting. Now, we don't really talk about fasting much in the church. Uh, and and that's, that's kind of strange because if you read scripture, you'll see that fasting was a very common practice. It was something that was expected. But because we don't talk about it, you might not know what it is. And what it is, to put it as simply as possible, is the spiritual discipline of choosing to abstain from something for a period of time. Spiritual discipline of choosing to abstain from something for a period of time. Now, traditionally, that thing is food, but it doesn't have to be food. Uh, you could choose to abstain uh, from you know, social media, television, YouTube, uh, listening to music, even, or listening to podcasts. Uh, now, you might wonder, well, why would I do that? What's, what's the point in fasting? What's the point of, of denying myself? Well, one of the reasons is because you don't want to be mastered by anything. And when you fast, it's a way of saying, I am not mastered by this thing. The only thing that really masters me is God, and I have the capability to say no. Um, now, Again, we don't really talk about fasting much in the modern church, and we don't usually expect that followers of Jesus are going to fast. But I want to challenge us, encourage us, to think maybe we need to shift in that attitude. Uh, there's evidence that Jesus expected that his followers were going to fast. Uh, in Matthew 6.16, 6, uh, some people confront Jesus, and they say, you know, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, in Matthew 6, 6, 6 16, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. 
And I don't want us to focus so much on the actual instruction there as those words, when you fast. Right? It's not if you fast. Jesus expects that his disciples are going to fast. So, you know, maybe we really need to have an attitude adjustment here, that fasting is one of the spiritual disciplines that is expected of a follower of Jesus. And it is a way of declaring, I am not mastered by, by anything. So what we need to ask ourselves is, what is mastering me? You know, what is the thing in my life that makes it hard for me to have moderation? And then whatever that thing is, try cutting it out for a period of time. You know, maybe for a day, uh, maybe for a week, maybe for a month. Maybe you just say, okay, I'm going to fast from something for a couple hours every day. Maybe you say from 5 to 10 p.m. every day, I'm not looking at social media at all, or I'm not checking my email. I mean, that seems like a very small thing, but that one step of fasting might be the most life-transforming thing that you choose to do this entire year, if you choose to do that. That uh, can have powerful effects on your life and on your relationships. Now, what happens if you are so enslaved to something that you don't even have the power to fast from it for a period of time? Uh, what do you do? Well, if that's the place you're in, you're in the realm of addiction. Uh, and that brings me to my second suggestion, which is, if necessary, pursue treatment for addiction. If necessary, pursue treatment. You know, the first step in getting help is recognizing that you have a problem, recognizing that this isn't something that you can control anymore, and taking a step to do something about that, to get help. And you know, the good thing is that we live in a time in history where addiction is better understood than any other time. Uh, there are counselors who spe specialize in treating addiction, and not just addictions to things that are bad, right, but addictions to things that in and of themselves are, are good things, like food, uh, like, like television or the internet. These things are not inherently bad, but they do have addictive power for many of us. You know, whatever you've become a slave to, whatever is robbing you of moderation in your life, uh, you can be freed from that addiction. And if you're curious, well, what are the resources available to me? I feel like I'm stuck, that I'm enslaved to something. Uh, I, I can give you some options if you want to email me during the week. I can, I can let you know. One, one program that I would recommend is Celebrate Recovery, which is a, a Christ-centered approach to finding freedom from, from pain and addiction. There's actually a few brochures downstairs on the welcome table about that, if you'd like to look at those. You know, if you're gluttony has turned into full-blown addiction, recognize that the problem is there, recognize that God loves you anyway, and then recognize that God wants to help you get free. And take the step to get help, because you can't do it on your own. That brings me to the third suggestion, which is make time for healthy human connections. Make time for healthy human connections. One of the reasons that we become gluttons to things is because we're trying to medicate ourselves. We're trying to medicate uh, some uh, pain, uh, a sense of loneliness, 
And when we turn to certain things like food or sleep or entertainment, they give us a, a quick hit of pleasure and relief. Um, and so in order to medicate the loneliness or the pain that we feel, we start going to these things in excess uh, to the point where it starts to harm us and lead to immoderation in our lives. But what we need to realize is that deep down, what we really desire is, is not the food, it's not the entertainment, it's not the excess sleep, but it's healthy human connection. It's healthy relationships. One of the most famous passages in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul describes the centrality of love, the importance of love. And he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I have not love, I am nothing. You see, love is supposed to be this defining feature of our human experience. And I'm not just talking about romantic love, uh, although romantic love should be a manifestation, one kind of manifestation of love. But I'm talking about the kind of love that exists between friends and between family members. Uh, it's the kind of love where you have a desire to be in relationship with other people and to bless them and to enjoy their company. And so what this, this passage reminds us of is how important real human connections are. You can't love in isolation, right? If love is supposed to be such a central feature of the human experience, you can't do that alone. You have to have other people in your lives. And so if we're struggling with a gluttony and addiction, one of the things we might need to be more intentional about is pursuing friendships. You know, about making time in our schedule and in our lives for conversation, for actually not just talking to people on the computer or through email, right, but sitting across from people, you know, at a table, one-on-one, -on -one, having a real conversation. Because we might find that if we start doing that more, we're not going to be as hungry for other things. Finally, one more suggestion for finding freedom. And, and this one, I saved this one for last because it's my favorite one. I'm not saying it's the most important one, but it is my favorite. Uh, which is plan times for indulgence. Plan times for indulgence. Now, I realize that might sound a little counterintuitive. And if you do have a really serious problem with addiction, this probably isn't the best, the best advice. But for many of us, I do think this is good advice, and it's important. Uh, there is a time and a place for feasting, for indulging, without guilt. Uh, and I would say, you know, there's even a time and place for eating stuff that's not good for you, that's not healthy. Uh, my uncle passed away this year, but I remember that uh, at almost every holiday meal, when he got up to get another plate of food, he would say, everything in moderation, including moderation. <laughs> and I don't think he came up with that. I, I Googled it, and it's a quote from Oscar Wilde. 
but there's, I think there's real wisdom in that. And even though there's no biblical verse that says everything in moderation but moderation, I think we do see it practiced. Because if you read throughout the Old Testament, you'll find that uh, God thought it was really important for the Israelites to have specific times of the year when they were celebrating and when they were uh, remembering him and, and what he had done and, and remembering him while feasting. They were feasts. So, you know, part of a healthy rhythm of life involves times where we indulge and we celebrate with thanksgiving the, the blessings and the, you know, the gifts that God has given us. Now, you know, we should do that within reason. I think 11 lobsters or 110 hot dogs is going a little too far. Uh, if you're eating so much that you're in pain, that's probably not, not a good thing. Uh, but we should have special occasions where we feast. Or a special occasion, you know, a vacation where you binge watch some TV show you've been looking forward to. The problem is we just can't do these things all the time, and we can't do them in a way that causes a severe imbalance in our lives. You know, when Jesus was doing his ministry, people used to accuse him of being a glutton because he would spend time with people and he would enjoy food and drink with them. And people complained to Jesus that his disciples didn't fast. You know, what's wrong with your disciples? They don't fast. And when, when Jesus was questioned about that, his answer was basically, well, it's not time for them to fast. And, and what that reminds us of is there's a time for fasting, there's a time for feasting, and there's a time for just eating a normal amount of food or, you know, whatever we're talking about, you know, that we need to enjoy in moderation. You know, in a couple weeks, our country celebrates Thanksgiving, and that's a time for feasting. And I don't think God wants us to be spoiled sports on that day, you know. Oh, I think you're eating too much. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's a good Christian witness. I don't think he wants us to be talking like that. So my suggestion is, if we want to overcome gluttony, look at the rhythm of life that we see uh, shown in Scripture, and remember that part of a healthy rhythm is planning times of feasting. You know, having times that you can look forward to that are on the calendar, they're like, oh, on this day, I'm going to indulge. I'm going to enjoy that food or this entertainment uh, or whatever it might be and I'm going to in, indulge in it a little bit more than would be healthy on a regular basis. I think God's okay with that, and I, I think that he wants us to have that kind of rhythm in our lives. And if we're able to have that kind of rhythm, we may find ourselves being able to be more disciplined uh, in our regular uh, daily lives. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So may that be true of us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we do live in a time where there's many things that we can enjoy, where we do have, uh, most of us, uh, abundant options when it comes to food and uh, entertainment and that sort of thing. But Lord, I pray that we would not... Uh, be sucked too deeply into these things to the point where they cause imbalance in our lives, Lord. We know that uh, 
you want us to be able to enjoy life and have fun, uh, but you don't want our fun to ruin us. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would help us not to substitute um, gluttony for real human connection, uh, for real relationship with you, for meaningful work. Um, God, we ask that you would give us the strength uh, to find moderation in our lives and to know when it's time to feast, when it's time to fast, and when it's time to just uh, <laughs> find that, that, moder- that, middle, that middle place. Uh, we give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.